Squawking Dead, <laughs> podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we make deep with your deep yawns and stretches. Do you like that? Yep. <laughs> like yep. that, everybody? Accurate. <laughs> we're tired, we're sick, we want this. We want all these shows to end, but we don't, right? Like we want them to want, end. Please end. I just want one at a time. Just one at a time, please. <laughs> Yeah, I've been, th- I've been thinking about how lucky we've been in some senses. Okay, because we were talking about this, I think, together at one point, and like we're lucky in that we get them a week in advance because then we can sort of we're not compelled to rush through things. We have time to record, we have time to edit and release. So it's like, okay, listen, the only way out is through. <laughs> so let's give you more time instead of just a week, a weekend, or eighteen hours, or nineteen hours, or whatever it was. I'm, th- I am, th- I am trying to see the light that is the shit tunnel. <laughs> so, so there is a the light. Silver lining. Yeah, yeah. The silver lining. In the poop drenched tunnel. I'm happy. I'm happy that we have this time together. I'm glad. It's the silver lining in the nuclear cloud. Right. Or the nuclear fallout tunnel. <laughs> oh. That is the half-life that is this era of two two episodes <laughs> a week. <laughs> Plus interviews that we're waiting to edit. And, you know, and which always makes me uncomfortable. But, hey, yeah, we just got some news about Alex Scooby, Moe's husband, who is going to appear not in the upcoming episode that will be released so, well, actually, technically, we've already talked about it. Yeah, so it is the upcoming episode. Because, <laughs> right, Fear is going to be releasing before this episode. So it'll be Fear the Walking Dead 7X05. So uh, it'll be the fifth episode of season seven. Does he show up in the preview after 704? Yeah, there's a screenshot of two guys, like, standing next to a, a stand full of fruit in the middle of the road. Right. And they're dressed in black and gray with masks on. And I think the tall one in... The dark, the dark is out. It's definitely not are the short the, one. <laughs> are these the guys um, that the Dark Riders are approaching? Maybe, maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I remember uh, those two guys. They're gonna, I, gonna get. I think cut. they had masks on when I saw them. So I was, yeah. Yeah, they they have masks on in the in the preview, yeah. Screenshot. So yeah. so is the other guy? Uh, who who is the other guy that's in the Zen AF podcast? <laughs> Wayne. So, so is the other, <laughs> the other one's Wayne. <laughs> Did your mind immediately awesome. go to that? Because that's where my mind went. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, why not? Right. Yes. Oh the oh the memes oh the memes. That'll be so great. And what a great promo for their podcast. <laughs> Guys, guys, we're just trying to have a podcast in the in the in the apocalypse, in the nuclear zombie apocalypse. Okay, that's <laughs> the best I can do as a Scooby impression. Good morning, assholes. Oh my god, like <laughs> ten decibels <laughs> lower. <laughs> See, Charity can probably do it right with, with the mic that she has right now. I can't even do it. His voice is like on another level. I like turtles. <laughs> I can't do it. Nah, it's just impossible. I really enjoyed I this episode. It. There's a lot going yeah. on. Um, I don't know if it was the same average runtime of like 42 minutes, 44 minutes. Did, I, did you guys pay attention to that? It felt like it. it. I didn't. Yeah, it was about yeah. the same. Yeah. But again, like just like Fear of the Walking Dead, I didn't feel like I was... Like, oh, come on, over already. I felt like it was a full, this is really great. This is like a full episode, but it was the same runtime. Uh, yeah. Why do you think that is though? Like, is it because there's a lot going on and the, the, we have like, but we do have three separate scenes or scenes, three separate settings. 
that we have to look at, but it just feels like we're going, we're moving slowly within those scenes. So we're like not missing anything, I guess. I think they just gave us a, they gave us a lot to chew on. And so by the end of the episode, we were full and we're like, all right, I'm going to digest this now little baby <laughs> before bites. I take another bite. Analogy. <laughs> yeah. A, a three, a three course meal with little baby bites. Between. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I liked the most was the interplay between Jadis and Huck. Mm -hmm. I just loved their yeah. scenes together. I had a feeling. And I really there. loved the little, um, the little walking dead nuggets that Jadis was <laughs> dropping. You could, they were friendly, but there was so much tension too, but it was smart. Yeah. And it was funny. You could feel like also that Negretti was stomping around the creation, Gimple's creation of the trash people in a way. Like, <laughs> ooh, let's carefully tiptoe through this. Nope, different language. <laughs> I'm the master of this show. Hulk <laughs> <Hulk> smash. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm kidding. But like, you, you could feel like, you know, he. it, it was almost kind of like, like an elbow to the rib. Huh? Hey, Gimple. What about the trash people? It's pretty cool. Huh? <laughs> Their own language. That was dumb, wasn't it? Just, anyway, no. I'm, it was genius. No, it was I, genius. I loved, I loved her whole, just that whole part about the, if you want to make people separate and but together give them their own language i was like man that is awesome yeah think about it in history what has what what do we separate people by by what language they speak well, like babel you know? sure. oh that that person is german or you know, that <laughs> mm -hmm. person is spanish you know and then I mean, all the insults that you give to that <laughs> that french speaker or that german speaker yeah. right because it's them but, i mean this <laughs> It, she, she's completely right. Yeah. That is how you how you make people come together and make them. It's it's them versus us, and you make them uh, us. Yeah, religion is much the same way. It's like religion does bind and blind people. It binds people. So, like Jada says, it it brings people together really fast and under a under a banner under a tribe. Uh, but it does blind people to the outside. So, kind of like what Jadis is saying, Jadis. Huh? I can't believe I'm calling her Jadis. It's weird to call her <laughs> Jadis again, right? And Jadis Stokes too, like. She really, really mm -hmm. went through uh, her, her little conundrum. But I say this because she is mentioning that in creating this identity, in creating this religion, let's say, of the trash people, you do blind yourself to the outside world, mm -hmm. which lent to her choosing poor alliances or making the bad, wrong decisions, but also maybe not completely working towards the CR's goal, maybe? I mean, in her, in a sense, she is admitting fault, fault for this identity saving her. Look, it saved my life, but also it blinded me to mm. the CR's needs, maybe, or at one point, maybe. And well, and she did kind of ignore them for a long time until, yeah, because she went off with Gabe Stokes to look at the frogs or something like that. Or so, what was the thing that they went out to, to see to get sexy time? I, I remember saying this at the time. Like, <laughs> and then she kind of tests him. Oh, I guess you are, you're an A, I guess, or something like that. And then she kind of just escapes until she meets up with Rick at the final hour. But yeah, and then mentioning Rick as the valuable asset that helps her get back into the CR. Now that, of course, is going to get people to like cream their drawers. But I mean, at the same time, it's also really, is it not frustrating to you a little bit? Like we knew this. I mean, it's <laughs> nice for them to say it out loud, but it's like, come on. I wish you hadn't said anything at all. I wish you hadn't said anything at all. This is just me. Okay, my little <laughs> bit of impatience. I mean, I honestly feel that way. Like, I I'm going to just say this and we can move on like, to, to what you guys think. But like, there were a lot of tweets today about, oh, it was three years today that Rick left the show. And I honestly kind of rolled my eyes. I'm like, why did you say anything at all? <laughs> 
<laughs> I was fine. I mean, I care, but I don't. There's so much show to watch at the same time. It's Fear the Walking Dead. It's Walking Dead World Beyond. I've got lots of things to cover. I don't have time to just stop and realize my pain. Okay? I don't have time for this. <laughs> so... So when she said it, I was like, ah, God, you don't have to think about this stuff. Okay, Rick, oh, he's the asset. Well, why? Well, we're not going to find out. Or maybe, maybe we will. I don't know. We probably won't. We probably won't. But what, what, what do you guys think of all this? Like Jadis being away that long and Rick being the asset and her getting back in, religion binding and blinding people or language. I want to, I want to know what makes Rick so valuable. I mean, he's not solving science riddles. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> what what makes Rick so valuable? Do you realize you want to see what I, I I wish I could show you what I said in my notes. I put oh Rick is the valuable thing, and then I put WTF. Yeah, I mean, granted, he okay, he mm, has leadership skills. End of statement. <laughs> I'm not going to call him good, but he has leadership, leadership skills. Skills? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Sherry? Dude? Let's put her on the spot. <laughs> we're, 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 we're done. Well, actually, I started thinking about about why Rick would be valuable, and I kind of got lost in thought. Sorry, <laughs> I was thinking, what if he is um, immune, and that's what makes him such a huge asset? So maybe there, maybe the testing the CRM is doing isn't to extend to stop human decay. Maybe it's to um, make humans immune from bites or something like that. And they're using Rick for that because all those skin graft things on the bodies we saw could have been bites. Hmm. That were anyway. That's oh yeah, my... cut out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard I've heard the theory before that Rick was immune. I, I mean, hmm. I've heard that theory for years. Since so season one. I mean, if they Maybe. actually yeah, yeah, if they actually ran with that. Then that would make him valuable. But how would Jadis know he's immune? She doesn't. I mean, if if we're talking <laughs> about a strong person who's li okay, so I remember when we talked about this a long time ago. Maybe it was at the beginning of this of World Beyond, but we had said that in our attempt to solve what the A's and B's were, one of the data points that we went over was well, it seems to me like A's, sorry, B's are people who have been out in the wild. Well, we it made them akin to wild lab rats, right? L rats that are held in captivity are practically useless. Their telomeres are longer, so that means they have longer lifespans because they're fed, they're taken care of, all this stuff. But if you capture them in the wild, you have an accurate representation of what a, what a real lab rat in the wild would be like. And so when you do testing on them, it's it's a lot, you know, it's a lot more accurate to what to what you will get when you compare it to a person or whatever. But I, I said this because they want somebody they don't want somebody that's in the CR as far as bees go, let's say, right? And Samuel Abbott was an A. He was in Portland, he was behind walls, blah blah blah. He wasn't out in the wild. This could be part of it. We don't know really what it is, and they're not going to really. We feel, I feel like we're getting closer now, but I don't want to even talk about that. I really want to kind of express what the, <laughs> what we thought the bees were, and it seems obvious that bees, at the very least, are people that live people for now that are out in the wild, that are lab rats that are out in the wild, and so that's very valuable to them because why uh, get high on your own supply? <laughs> right? So, you know, you want that authentic, organic, homegrown shit out, out there in the, in the wild. And what better than a beat the fuck up Rick Grimes, who's been out there for a long time, but who's in critical condition. So it doesn't get more wild than that. <laughs> so. As to what you were saying about religion, have they even mentioned religion in the CR at all? 
No, they wouldn't because they're com- communists. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't think so. I mean, that's, that's what I, no, that's, I'm curious why you ask because that's, that's a really cool question. I just happen to think we haven't heard them mention religion at all in any of the – not even the campus colony or uh, – well, we haven't been in Portland but, or Omaha. But, you know, I mean nobody has mentioned religion at all. So is, is there a functioning religion – in any of the colonies? Is, I can say the perimeter, maybe. Just because of Asha in this episode and Dev and, and Indira, maybe. I think this I think the CR or the CRM like thinks of themselves as like their own religion. I mean they, they call themselves the last light of the world. They don't give that credit to a higher being. They they say it's us. We're doing this. Mm-hmm. We are the last light. We are your religion. Yeah. Uh you know who else said that? The DPRK and uh, Russia and all those other communist countries. <laughs> I'm trying to shit on people, but that's kind of how it works. Sorry. To be fair, this is a religion of secularism where um, instead of re- worshipping a central deity or a polytheistic deity or a set of deities, you're really relying on one another. No one is better than the other, etc. This is like the, the glitz and glam of, of, of communism. The, the idea that everybody is the same. Everybody gets the same. Individuals don't matter. The collective matters. So and so there's I that's why I like to draw a lot of parallels between the CR or the CR structure to I mean they talk about it in this episode a little bit too, a little bit like not so much there's a a very concerted effort to make sure the population is is carefully that, that there's a particular balance to the population growth uh, how much food they have how they're organized and structured the threats from the outside and from within in order to determine the most optimal uh, stability let's say for the CR as a whole so i mean if everybody is working together to towards this goal then yeah they have to adopt some of these principles in order to survive i think and so who has time for a a religion outside of this i mean if you think about it there's no room there's no mental bandwidth but then we go to asha and dev and and asha particular in this episode praying and i thought it was just so very individualistic it's it's I mean, they are praying for the success of Will and Dev, but it's but for Will and Dev, not for everybody all at once because they are all the same. No, they need it more, so they're getting more. So yeah. I, 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 there's a little, little, a little bit of interplay here. Um, Didn't work out too good for Dev. I know. I wrote yeah, that down in my notes just now. I'm like, well, tough luck. I think Chuck. <laughs> I think Will took a little, took all the positive energy. Yeah, I I also wrote that too. I'm like, okay, well, you could look at this one of two ways. Like literally, I said, well, I guess you could see the glass half full. You see half because Will could have died too, right? I mean, they were shooting in the general direction. So who's to say it didn't work? You know, philosophical. Yep, he got the gun. Oh boy. As far as what you were saying about Jadis mentioning Rick, it could be that just saying it out loud is a way to connect her back to everyone. She did make friends and connections there, so I'm sure she misses some of that. They're and meaning her old life say or her new life? The, when she was in Alexandria. Oh, yeah. So um, maybe just mentioning Rick in a conversation without you know really talking about it is just a way for her to connect back to them. Oh, and her people, too, yeah. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right, sure. I uh, like the little test that Jadis throws at Huck by calling her Huck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and then, um, I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> like, that, my name's not Huck, and she even baited her by like telling her the story about her own name. You know what I mean? Then like mm-hmm. she's still like, no, I'm not Huck. Jadis was saying how she was worried that she had like gone in too deep and like was feeling a connection for these people or whatever, which she is. Right. But, the identity you know, that you that, have to assume. Yeah. 
to, mm-hmm. to right. survive. Right. Well, for her, see, yeah. and I, I drew a comparison, to, a direct comparison between Jadis, fucking Jadis, and 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 Huck. I'm going to call her Huck for brevity, um, because <laughs> they had both been away for about two years. Away, I say away in general because since the fall, I'm, I'm assuming Jadis was out there and got picked up two and a half or so, maybe three years later. Huck was about the same. Huck went undercover for about two years before she finally got out. They both assumed different identities. They both lived somewhat different lives, although Huck kind of lived a life that was similar to <laughs> what, what it was at the CR. She was a staff sergeant, you know. Huck was in security, so, you know, mm-hmm. not too different. But Jadis did what she did, as she had stated, to survive. What did Huck do it for? Huck was doing it to make up for mistakes, but also, if you went through the looking glass and assumed that Jadis was right about going in too deep, and it feels like she's right because of what she says to Felix a little earlier on, saying Felix had said out in the ether in his little walkie, which of course couldn't be heard by Huck. He says, I don't know if you can hear me or if you're okay, which I thought was kind of cool. One of the things that, re- that really heartened me about Felix was that it's one thing if you believe somebody is just out there to fuck you then why appeal to their humanity? If you know what to expect now that they've fucked you, why get on their back about, oh, I guess, you, I guess you, you're a mole, you stupid mole, you fuck face, uh, right? And so why, but why do that if you know that's what they are? So I see through this. I am looking at a guy who's like, there's got to be something in there and I'm going to chip away at it. That little bit of your conscience that actually loves me. And yeah. I saw, and I saw that and I, and like, cause it doesn't make sense. Otherwise, Felix, what are you doing? What, what are you, appeal- He's hurt. what are you appealing to? Yeah. But like, but when you do that, like, okay, there, you know, some people in your life when, when they, when you hurt them or they hurt you, I don't know. Depends on the person, right? You just shut down, right? You just dead. You're dead to me. Dead. Like disco. I said that once already. I know I did out loud. But anyway, Felix doesn't do that. Felix doesn't let up. There is a part of him that is stuck on, oh, there's a kernel here. And if I exploit it, if I keep chipping away at it, I might get to her. And you see everybody else in their own way try to get to her, like Percy earlier. But he says this, I don't know if you can hear me or if you're okay. Like he's concerned. Like, okay, for a second, he's like, oh, she fucked me. Ah, damn it. I'm behind the walls. Ah, shit. I'm freezing. But he says, I don't know if you're okay. And he says, just... Say you're with me. Say something. And then without even... And I'm assuming... I'm taking a big risk here and saying... I'm assuming Huck, uh, Huck doesn't hear him. But she says, I just want you to know for what it's worth. I am with you. At least until I can't be. And I thought that was really sweet. And it's great that we get this scene and immediately go to Jadis. Because Jadis is a military cop. That's what a warrant officer is. Right, Mario? You told me that. <laughs> so she's right. Huck is with them. But Huck didn't assume her name to survive. Huck assumed her name because that was a way to love. Just seems to me that like, from what we know about Huck, aside from maybe Dennis, I'm not really sure about that. We have no data on that, really. <laughs> but between the re- relationship we saw, we see with her and her mom, Elizabeth Kublik, I just don't feel like she got enough love. I don't know that we can say easily, obviously, that she got enough love growing up. Or that she certainly, the way her mother expresses love to her from what we've seen is strange. I think we can definitely say she didn't get enough love growing up. I mean, what, the conversation that she has with Elizabeth about, rather, Elizabeth is talking to Huck about, you know, looking at her, her little innocent girl and how she couldn't stand the thought of someone else 
ruining that innocence. And so she did it. Like, that's the kind of mom she is. Like, I'm going to break you before anyone else can. Right. But I'm going to. So you're ready uh, for this world. And you know what's really twisted about that is that I kind of get it. Like, if somebody's going to have to do it, at least let it be me so that I can control it or I can manage it or. Well, and she probably feels like she's she's doing all of this out of love. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, She she is, you know. And then also it's twisted. Toughening up her kid. (laughs) Yeah. It is twisted. But in her mind, it's the right thing to do. She's going to toughen up her child and make her strong in this in the world. Right, right. That's that was even the before the twisted fall. way she does it. Yeah. Also, Jadis named herself, and Huck was given her name. Right. I don't think Huck named mm. herself. Yeah, yeah, they call they started calling her Huck because she washed up. On Margaret the and Daniel. Hmm. Mm. I I want more. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe we'll get it. I don't know. But yeah, you guys kind of fell for my trap a little bit because I wanted you to go to Elizabeth because once Huck says this, I immediately thought of Kublik. I'm with you at least until I can't be. When we were talking about this last week, I suddenly got very sad because Kublik's gone indefinitely. According to Jada speaking to Lila in the lab in the stinger. And then my mind immediately went back to the events of this episode, Kublik almost breaking and saying, you know, I used to love fi- fixing your mistakes in a sense when you're a kid, like (laughs) fixing your mess ups. Right. And so when she says this, there's a little bit of her as Huck, but there's a little bit of her as Kublik as sorry, her, I mean, Jennifer or Huck. There's a little bit of her as, as herself as Huck and then herself as Kublik, assuming her mom's role. Like I will try to be with you as much as I can. I will try to fix these mistakes or, you know, try to be, try to cover for you as much as possible. Kind of like Elizabeth did for her. Undoubtedly. There's just no way she didn't, she didn't make up for her mistakes and soften the blow and didn't send her to re- in a re-education camp or anything like that. And now that she's gone, she's gone. And will we feel the, will Jennifer Huck feel the effects of, of her mom's coverage this whole time? And we kind of have to ask the question, is Jadis, Jadis, I, it feels weird. Jadis Stokes, <laughs> is she a malevolent force? It, it, it's not clear. Is she a malevolent force or is she is she a force for good? Because it looks like she is trying to seek out corruption. She's trying to find the weakest link. Now, I don't know if this is her trying to suss out spies because that's not really her job. I don't think it is. I think her thing is to find the truth and expose it and get her promotion also. I felt very tense uh, with her scenes with Huck slash Jennifer. Like, like, I felt like any second she was going to spring a trap on her and, and be like, ah, oh, I got you. I mean, I know they weren't going to do that because it was too <laughs> soon, but like every second I was just waiting for her to say something and, and trip her up. So, I mean, I, I think she's, I think she's after Huck. I think she really suspects something where Huck is concerned. And I, I don't think she's going to be good for Huck at all. I think Jadis can relate to what Huck is going through. I mean... Jadis definitely fell in with the Alexandrians, right? Until shit fell apart. But she, I think she is looking at Hut going, now I know how easy it is to fall in with this crowd. Like I was there, you know, you're telling me that you're not connected to these people anymore, but I I know better because I've been there. Well, I mean, and also you have to remember the last minutes or not last minutes, but last moments where we see Jadis, you see Jadis asking Gabe to run away with her. He doesn't. I have a people here. I got, I've got a you know life to take care of. Mm-hmm. So, and him not willing to do that and her trying to force him almost to go with her. And if not as a B, as her ticket out of there, as an A, 
which is also her ticket out of there. A perfect specimen in the wild that it could be better off dead. She, the reason why she felt like she felt she had to leave is because everybody couldn't trust her. From her perspective, that's how it felt like. She was kind of getting along to get along. It was kind of working. And, it, and how was that any different from the, the saviors, really? And this is season nine where a lot of things were happening. And she decided to do something about it. I was like, well, you know, I know a community that, that seems to have toilet paper. I kind of like it. it. Seems like a great idea. Uh, let's go there. You and me. And she f was betrayed. And yet, at the same time, chose the name Jadis and Stokes. Mm -hmm. So uh, that Stokes thing really Maybe as a reminder. Me. Maybe. Oh, she maybe. might not be doing it. She might not be doing it in honor of him. Right. In spite, you're saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good qu question might be, do you think they will ever meet up at this rate? Right? <laughs> That's all, that, that was another tense thing that went through my mind. And I feel like also, just to kind of put, put a little gasoline on this fire, I feel like Gimple may have alluded to the fact that the CR, sorry, the CRM and the Commonwealth may cross paths. We don't know where or when, but they might. And so if that's the case, and Father, assuming Father Gabriel survives, which maybe, could it be that they kind of meet up? Unless something happens to Jadis, which is entirely possible. And how would that make you feel after all this time? This is like a Morales, Morales moment. Well, at least Morales got like, you know, three seconds. Jadis is going to get way longer than that now. She made it past the episode. Not just one scene or two scenes. I'll laugh it really, would... really hard. Yeah, it wouldn't bother me if, if she gets killed off. It no. would be like, oh, okay. Oh, I wouldn't laugh if she died. I would laugh if they, like, finally met back <laughs> up. Like, if they saw each other again. It would be hilarious because Gabe's with Rosita now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what is that? What happens with that? Well, okay, you've been gone for a very long time, Jadis. <laughs> Six years. Yeah, and I only just had a kid-ish. You know, like like he, the kid's like a year old, maybe, maybe. And it's not his. <laughs> it's well, yeah. There you go. <laughs> but you think you think Jadis gonna care? <laughs> Jadis is gonna feel that betrayal all over again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love Jadis Rosita. Stokes. But Jadis would come in and just chop Rosita's head off. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd like to see Jadis versus Rosita. Rosita would yeah. tear her apart, I think. I don't know. What do you think? You think Jadis knows Isabel? Uh, ooh, that's a question. I think Jadis knows Isabel. Ooh. Warrant officer? I don't think so. Mm. I mean, I think the CR is only so big. Yeah, but if Isabel keeps being shady about Al and, like, if she starts getting suspicious, Jadis is going to be the one to come check her out. Maybe that's how she got An to investigator. Her yeah, maybe maybe that was her, her defining moment. Well, and we have to figure out where Fear the Walking Dead is in the timeline, too. <laughs> when like, are they? When, right. <laughs> dum, dum, dum. I'm not doing that today. <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> Fuck the timelines. Yeah. Ugh. You know, it's funny. Mario's mentioning in the chat that was a great convo yesterday. We had a tremendous conversation about this episode in our Discord, which you should join when you can when you join for as little as a dollar a month, uh, ko slash walking dead, because then we can have all these different cool, cool chats, deep chats. Mario, you have to remind us of some of the things that we talked about because it was a lot. Um, and I don't even know if we're going to bring it all up, too. But hey, I'm counting on you, Mario. I know it's 2.17 a.m. where you are right now. Ooh, ouch. Well, we need you to do the heavy lifting because we're just kind of all over the place. I appreciated when she was telling Huck about all the people she knew and she referred to Elton as the boy in the corduroy. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like that's the name of an emo band or something. <laughs> Maybe she said that because she knows he's not Elton. I was thinking the opposite. So, yeah. Well, because she, she called everyone else by name except for him. Yeah. So, Maybe yeah. She's like the boy in the corduroy. Maybe she just thinks he's not Elton. She's like, I Oh, I Elton. see what you're saying because she's like, oh, that's not Elton, so I will not call him Elton. All right. Er, cur. Fine. Because there's a boy in corduroy, but it's not Elton. Mm. She probably has like files on everybody with pictures and everything. Mm. Well, they have all the computers at Campus Colony, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. who has who got mm -hmm. access to that first? Uh, Mario, Mario saying the fear is about the same time Rick disappeared from the main show. So it's about three, four years into the apocalypse. Yeah, it's kind of what we yeah. said, but also we said a little extra. And we know we know that Campus Colony had cameras and were able to process film because we saw that picture of Hope at her homecoming or whatever spring fling dance thing or whatever. So oh, yeah. a picture of Elton could be out there. Well, they all, we also know they have computers, and if they have computers, they have records. If they have records, mm -hmm. they, they, mm -hmm. wait, maybe they have social media at Campus Colony. <laughs> you don't know. I mean, look, it looked pretty cool. They had, it looked like a regular high school. I mean, aside from Silas, who wore, who wore an anachronistic Walkman with a cassette. Did you check your CRM it. page today? <laughs> Did you check your Alliance page? I posted in CRM today. <laughs> you didn't like my picture. <laughs> What's a narc? <laughs> I wrote that in my notes too. <laughs> so Iris has Iris has her hall ass moment essentially. Uh, yeah, she mm -hmm. she went. What's a narc? And I went hall what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not familiar with the expression. <laughs> I did like the um, the method that they were using to transfer the notes, though. That was that was pretty. Yeah, that was pretty ingenious for the dead drop. The, the the bolt. Yeah, the and on top inside. of that, it was in code just in case someone did find it. Yeah. That was, that was really cool. cool. I liked that. Mm -hmm. Right. I, but here's the thing. This will link back to Warrant Officer Stokes finding out about <laughs> the boy in the corduroy. It seems like, okay, something that Mario had said. Ah, see, I'm going to go, Mario, I got you. Something that Mario had said about Brody having told the CR about the plan that these kids have. Mm. Now, I had thought about this, and I thought that could be true. You know, the reason for Dev being shot on the hill with Will Huh. Could have been Brody telling the CR about everything. Oh. However, I, I know I'm, I'm I'm quickly racing over that fact. <laughs> no, I just thought to myself, Dev literally died on the hill. <laughs> we just always talk about like our theories and like dying on this this particular hill oh. of a theory, oh. and then Dev literally oh died goodness. on a hill. <laughs> he died on that hill of being sneaky and sneaking out and sneaking his dad's weapon. But oh. yeah. No, and I was very sad about that. It really, really was. I mean, he was kind of sweet and took care of his sister. His sister took care of her, oh, uh, him. But it also occurred to me something that I said when we first encountered Corporal Pierce. It appears that maybe she knows that Hope is in the back, that they just let him do it anyway, and they proceed. When they're in the lab earlier in this episode, I remembered the labs have cameras. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Huck is even saying to herself, uh, to them, hey, you think you have a plan to escape. You don't. Silas was arrested in the last episode. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> so it may be that they know about the dead drop. They decoded the message and they let them do their thing so that they can see how far it would go. You know, and they probably just went just far enough so that when they saw Will and Dev try to leave, that's when they said, okay, now we strike here and something is going to happen in the next episode. I don't know what it is. I'm just saying something will. It's going to get to the point where they've gathered enough intel by watching them after they, after Iris Pletcher's stupid message 
<laughs> to, to burn this mother down. Stupid Iris. But my thing was, they let them carry on the ruse so that they feel comfortable in that ruse, and so that they can keep doing shady shit, so they can keep collecting data. And at a certain point, they're going to bust them when they have enough data. And I feel like that's what's going on, and why Jadis may know everything. She just wants to know how much more. And I feel like the more Jadis makes Huck feel like they can get away with something the more relaxed the group will feel about having gotten away with them with whatever they're trying to get away with. And so she's smart, if that's the case. And she's running this whole op. And her aspirations may be very big. <laughs> will and Dev were walking from Perimeter, obviously, to the research facility. Yeah. And the CRM came up behind them, right? So should we assume that they were also coming from the Perimeter? Oh, no. I hope not. I really <laughs> hope not, because it looks like that's where they're coming from. Oh. Well, I was, well, I was thinking, like, didn't you just say Mario um, said that? Oh gosh, not what, Brody. Brody. I was going to call him Rory. Um, Brody <laughs> would tell the that's CRM about their plan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a such an Rory, 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 Brody, Rory, Brody, Rory. <laughs> no, that's his last name. Sorry, Brody, buddy, Brody, Rory. Rory. <laughs> Rory, Rory, so yeah, Brody no, it, buddy, Rory, yeah. So um, no, so to, to they, Mario's point, to give Mario credit, yeah, like, it makes sense. If they showed up to the perimeter, that would have been Brody's chance to be like, "Hey, they're they're headed that way. They went that way. Go get them. <laughs> go go get them before they cause them. Go trouble. get them." <laughs> and do you, do you, we did this in the reaction video, which I don't, I don't know if we will ever release, but it's just the way it is. Uh, it, it may just all get released in, in one little go after everything's done. Like here's the reaction to this episode you don't care about anymore, but. <laughs> gotta have content after the season ends you just have content i, I do i'd like to fall into a coma after the season ends. not a literal <laughs> one god but i do i do want to point out the fact that like when elton finally does confide in will and the true the secret that's just begs they just want to be told he says it's worse than we thought because indira needs the like there's so much emphasis on the individual it's like do you remember what spock says that the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one elton is doing the needs of the one thing he says if iris burns his mother down then indira will die and all of her attempts to kind of keep the balance of keeping her people safe and keeping her alive herself alive all of that goes away so in essence, she, he could, okay, so in essence, I could be reaching with him saying he cares about the individual because he could be just concerned about if Indira goes away, well, the permanent might collapse because of bad leadership as a result, because Indira seems to be a wise leader. I just don't think that's it, though. I think he just cares about the one. I think he cares about Asha. Two, two, I know. Could he also kind of see Indira as a, as a mother figure, like someone who's very smart and artistic and someone very much like his mother. And maybe he kind of sees her like that. And that's another reason why he really, really yeah. cares. I think he cares about Indira because she's Asha's mom. I think he cares about how losing Indira would affect Asha. Yeah, yeah. On a selfish level, sure. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Of course. There's also like a third thing, which like when somebody lets you in on a secret, you feel like you share, you all share that secret in a sense. So you're in this club now. And so well, yeah. you, you care about the people in your club, I guess. You're speaking a, your mm -hmm. own language of secret. You have <laughs> so, your own language. <laughs> yeah. 
So, <laughs> yeah. so there, there is that too. There's a little ingredients, but like on a, on a bigger picture, picture scale, on a philosophical scale, it, like we're, we're all talking about different concepts of what it means to do good. We kind of rake over this episode, like when you take Elton's concern over the one, and then you take Lila's concern about, about the whole, like the humanity whole, right? What she felt she needed to do with her dead husband and child. And then taking that much in the way Ed Gain did in Fear of the Walking Dead, episode seven, season six, uh, Damage from the Inside. Uh, he was trying to recreate the circumstances with which he could, quote unquote, save his family or s at least save somebody else. Uh, like, oh, here's a do over. Lila's kind of doing the same thing. Like, oh, if I couldn't save them, I maybe I can save the world or maybe like Ed, I can save someone else. Let's recreate those circumstances where I can actually have, you know, do over here. Oh, I protected you. Now I can rest easy. You know, so I, I, I like that little parallel of like, okay, well, maybe Elton is like, maybe we don't have to, maybe we just save the one. And maybe in saving the one, we save the world too. That's another expression. You save one life, you save the world. It's a, it's a Jewish expression, actually. Elton has a very touching scene where he's talking about, well, the last time, you know, somebody he loved left, they didn't come back. So and he's like, I just don't want to be alone right now. I mm -hmm. get that. Yeah. And to remind everybody, because that's what we have to do and break our hearts. Uh, that last time was Aww. A, his mom leaving to, and then eventually Hope killing his, his, his mom out there in the wild. And then mm -hmm. his dad uh, using his own body to protect the door with which Elton was staying in. Behind the door in the box where Elton was staying until all the chaos had subsided. Uh, and then seeing his dad shot, you know, both in the head and the heart for his sacrifice. Yeah. So it, that's, that's what he's remembering, you know, unfortunately. And I like that there, there is, obviously there's low-hanging fruit. There's an interesting thing about Elton. We're talking about the CR and if they have a religion, right? And then Elton, who you wouldn't normally associate with somebody who would like or liken himself to religion or anything like that, toying with it, saying, maybe I can dabble with this. Maybe I can believe in something, choose to believe in something greater than myself in this moment because I just need to get through a difficult situation. So I like that you brought up religion earlier, even though it's, I kind of only mentioned it as a word of binding and blinding, you kind of took it to a different level. And then now I could compare the two things like, oh, well, they don't believe in religion, they believe in themselves. Elton chooses, hey, we're not always going to be all that strong. And I, I respect that. I respect it when somebody says, I'm not strong right now. I'm not going to pretend like I'm strong. Oh, well then, okay. <laughs> then we go back to Jadis. And Jadis says, yeah, you make up this theater and then they believe in that theater. And then it's true. We, we do these things so that they, people can feel like they belong together. They believe in something bigger than themselves. It's kind of like King Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought Perfect. immediately of that. Sure. Mm -hmm. And she, of course so she knows I, about him. The king with the tiger. <laughs> or was that King Akikiel? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Akikiel for life. That's, a, that's his twin brother that comes back in season 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like right after they kill him, right? Hey, that's my brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who don't kill my brother? <laughs> my name is Jeremiah. Akikiel. <laughs> Josiah Jeremiah. Akikiel. Is he Akikiel? That's his middle name. Ezekiel Kikiel? Yeah. No, Jeremiah Ikikiel LaRue. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, sorry. It's also. No. We have a last name for Ezekiel, do Ezekiel's last name is LaRue. He is related. Anyway, whatever. I'm done. That's how they're tying them all together. Oh, it's the LaRue family. The LaRue family. Wait. Leo is the other one. 
Oh, fuck. Leo LaRue. <laughs> Leo LaRue. He, he breaks the news to the girls. <laughs> Guys are. We used an Americanized name for our old family name, which was LaRue. Woo. <laughs> Iris, you are now buried as Iris LaRue. Oh, yeah. In my scenario, <laughs> Iris is dead. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I like the little family roundtable that they had at the beginning of the episode. Iris adds, then we make sure they don't get away with it. Okay, wait. I like the little part where everybody's looking at Iris, sus. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> make sure they get, that's what you get. And everybody kind of goes, what, what, what? But then I... Hope was like... <laughs> <laughs> no, Leo was like, what? <laughs> and, and Felix a little bit too. Even though Felix was totally on board, like, last two episodes ago, whatever. I took like a minute to really, really, really think about this. And I, and I'm thinking to myself, there is nothing wrong now, right in this moment, right? Just forget about everything after. I was thinking about just this, <laughs> guys, give me a little credit. <laughs> just this moment. I was like, Iris isn't wrong in this moment. If they did something catastrophically genocidally wrong, right? Like well, there's nothing the wrong thing, with saying, she hasn't, let's make sure they don't get away with it. Yeah, she hasn't been wrong about any of it. I'm just, I just don't appreciate how cocky she fucking is about it. She's not wrong about any of it. Well, I mean, Ugh. apparently now there's the data to back up her theory. So that's something. But I mean, I don't mm -hmm. care about that. I was just thinking ostensibly, ostensibly her words in that moment, as pissed off as we are about everything else. Like, she's not wrong. Later on in the episode, as it progresses, <laughs> where she says, okay, Elton's decoding it, even he's getting mad <laughs> as he decodes it. He's like, fucking Iris. Oh, fucking. <laughs> you know I have to show them this shit, right? Right. We're, we're going to burn this. Man, motherfucker is a long word to decode. <laughs> Burn this motherfucker. You had to code the word motherfucker down. <laughs> Are we agreed at least on that first part that like what she says isn't, isn't crazy as much as it makes she makes us crazy. I'm putting yes. myself yes. there. Yeah. Okay. Let's yes. go to the next thing where you may not agree <laughs> agree with me i don't even know if i agree with me but i'm the idiot and i i knew this writing it down i'm like i'm i have to be this guy who says this thing because nobody else is going to so i'll just point the gun at my temples and say it. there's a moment where i feel like percy and she when they when they change the message and they put the dead drop and saying oh it's delayed right no they add the extra thing like burn the mother down I feel like I see in this moment that she is hesitating. She's like, so you're okay with me changing the plan? She's like, why would you, you're trying to get away with this. You're trying to, why are you trying to get him to convince you otherwise? Or, and, and you see in her face as they're about to do the thing. She, at the end, she kind of smiles a little bit that he's okay with, with whatever she says in the message. But throughout, I see her kind of having, being uneasy about this. Like, okay, if I do this, there's no going back. And she expresses that emotion that like, there's a hesitance. There's like a, there's a conscious behind, behind her face. You may, and so this is the part where I think you guys, well, still fuck her. I don't care if she has a conscience in that moment, <laughs> like, but, but I want to note that because I, hopefully we see something like that again, because I'm whatever I believe in people. I suppose. Here's what I saw. Here we go. <laughs> I saw I saw Iris. I mean, I do agree to a certain point. Forget the conscience thing. No, that right. no. No. She's just horrible. But I I did I I'm saw so someone who wanted right now, <laughs> I saw I <laughs> Okay. Okay. 
first first of all, let me <laughs> let me say Percy had Percy had no idea what was written in there. Okay, I'm sure it says he what just, it needs to. He, yeah, mm. exactly, exactly. I trust you, meh, 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 whatever. Do you believe that? Do I believe what Percy's saying? Yeah, I I do. I think he trusts whatever Iris is doing because he's stupid too. So why wouldn't he? <laughs> um, but so he has no idea what's written in there. But what I saw was Iris. I think Iris did want him to read it, but not to stop her. Because I think even to if... To validate her, you mean? To validate her. And if Percy had dug in his heels and said, ooh, I don't think this is a good idea, I think she would have argued with him and said, no, you're wrong. I'm doing it anyway. Fuck you. Wait. No, but I, I think she wanted validation from him. Look, I may be going in a completely different direction because you may have just stumbled into something that we kind of see later on where we see a complete reversal between Hope and Iris. Like, now we see it clear as day. You used to stop me when I was doing something stupid. Now you're being yeah. stupid. Right. So that's low-hanging fruit, whatever. But now going back to the scene, do you remember the scene in the in Leo's office back at Campus Colony where Hope and he were... The, the last time they see each other, he's packing up to go. Was it something I did? Oh. Could it have been that Iris almost in trying to get Percy to see what she had written or t tell him what she had written, that maybe she wants him to stop her? Because we're supposed to see perils and things. And sometimes it's kind of like the serial killer that wants to get caught or the person who does something to get in trouble. They just want the attention. They just want to know that somebody's looking at them. You know, they want to know, they don't want to get away with it. They want to be caught. They want to be, no. they want to know that this world has rules. And I know Dakota, we talked about that. I don't want to bring that up right now. But like the idea that sometimes people do bad, not to do good, obviously, but sometimes people do bad or they do shady because they want to be caught and they want to know that people care. They want to live in a world where people care. And so I say this because she brings up killing the soldier. And I think somebody, when she tells Hope about this, obviously she's saying it in a way that's like, well, I did that because he's the enemy. I feel like between this and the scene with Percy, and I am reaching, I feel myself reaching. I'm sorry, <laughs> and I apologize to all of you in advance. <laughs> I really do, but I have to go there and then we'll promptly turn away so I don't have to face the ire of all of you. But, <laughs> but between this and that, I felt like deep down, I feel like she's thinking in a world of rules, in a world where there is some sort of order, somebody would have stopped me. Somebody should have stopped me. And yet I was able to get away with it. And... I firmly believe that these people are my enemy. Uh, nobody can stop me now. And maybe she does want somebody to stop her. And this could be just her saying, you know, my dad was an, like a little resentfulness towards her, an authority figure that isn't present, whether it be her mom or her dad, you know, that kind of resentment that people have when people pass on. It's completely normal. Everybody goes through it. Uh, you know, everybody who's lost somebody goes through it or a friend that they just don't speak to anymore. Like, even though they did the wrong thing, like they are still resentful because they're not talking to them. But so I, I feel like there's a little of that going on. Somebody should have stopped Iris. And really, somebody should have. <laughs> somebody like in a world of rules, she, somebody should have stopped her. She shouldn't have been able to get, get away with what she did. And yet she did. And now she's unstoppable. Please, somebody stop me. I feel so like she I feels more empowered. Up. Is that what you or is that what you're kind of saying? More empowered because she killed the soldier and was able to get away with it. I would say I, I, I would say more compelled. Like she feels like she must go through with this because her sense of justice it, it, it's it's in her nature. She can't stop herself like a serial yeah, killer, no, I, like a psychopath. No, I completely I completely agree with that. And I and I see what you're saying about like wanting to get caught. That's a pretty common. Mm theme. However, I, I personally, I don't see that Iris is going through that because I think she is just hellbent on 
taken these people out. Mm -hmm. And if someone were to stop her, then she's not going to be able to bring Mm -hmm. them down. And if she doesn't do it, who else will? And if if she really wanted someone to stop her, Percy is not the one. Because I feel like Percy is totally totally down to start a war. Because gives him a legit reason to take Huck out. Or, or the chaos yep. that that's necessary. Yep. So, like, maybe yep. she was like, "Oh, stop me!" But she was doing it to the one person she knew wouldn't stop her. Okay, that's a very important point. That may actually go a little bit in my direction because she might even be thinking, "If this guy stops me, then maybe I should stop." Do you know what I mean? Like, if this person thinks I'm that crazy that I should stop, well, okay, maybe I should stop. Because Percy, in some senses, is way more justified than iris and yeah we're talking about the think locally versus think globally iris in the, in her bent is globally they killed our home they, they set the thing on fire like who is she avenging the her people the people who lost their lives right 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 percy is avenging think... his his uncle it's very personal it's very local oh so, absolutely so it makes why more do sense. you think why do you think iris wants to be stopped if that's what she's doing like looking for someone to stop her from doing this why why so, would she want to be stopped i often think about and most television characters are kind of unidimensionally they have a certain nature you can kind of pin them down to a couple facts and then write them Mm -hmm. off and then sign your name at the bottom and move on. But I'm wondering if they're trying to really, and again, I know I'm reaching, I feel myself (laughs) reaching, but sometimes I have to kind of put this down on paper and then move on. But it's unfortunate that some people may feel like that, like that people in real life are, oh, Dave is such, 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 and that's it. That's all there is to him. And that's sad to me. And so when I look at Iris, it's like, if you look at Iris and you see a person who's, oh, just bent on revenge, sign the form at the bottom, move on. I feel like there could be something more here. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't think revenge is her entire personality. I mean, there's obviously more to, to Iris than revenge, but in right now, in this She's moment, a bad cook. That's, that's what I <laughs> okay. see. Yeah, exactly. See, I mean, we know lots about her. She is incredibly intelligent. She's was a great student. She is an artist. She she is all of these things. But right now she's just on a path. But I also think people are contradictory too. People will say they believe in something and then they do something else that things like that. Or they say they're about one thing and then they do it. Look, Iris may have killed somebody. That is true. But she hasn't started the war yet. Well, to quote the Dory senior and junior, it's not too late. It's never too late. So in a sense, like I keep thinking to myself, we are more than just what we want or what we desire. Sometimes we are what we are too, you know? And so we can say we want to do all this stuff and we have done stuff, but it's never too late. Okay. How about this? Hmm. Oh, I don't want you to agree with me. I want you to fight me. (laughs) Which is well, like, Dave, that is very dumb. <laughs> well, n- well, okay. I'm, I'm going to like, I'm going to like half agree with you because oh, okay. I, I, I think Iris still does definitely want revenge. She definitely wants to stop yes, these people. Yes, yes. Maybe she feels how full of rage she is and realizes if we're going to take these people out the right way, we, we need more answers. We need to do this the right way. We need to do it tactfully. We need to do it the smart, smartest way possible. And right now, I mean, like she said, she wants to burn this place down. Like, yeah. okay, if you burn this place down with compound V in there, we're going to have a whole world full of soups. So that's not a good idea right now. So she <laughs> needs to come soups? up with a smarter plan. <laughs> like as in, as in, as in, like Homelander in, in the boys? Yes. yes. That's, that's yes. their ultimate plan. We just need to make that very clear. Clear for this walkers. Walking Dead hey. World Beyond yeah. crowd. <laughs> We're cool going to have walkers <laughs> with superpowers. Yeah, yeah. Well, Could you ha- imagine a walker with laser beam eyes? Oh, <laughs> God. Well, just a human. 
that's unstoppable, right? This is this is one of our theories from the last episode. For, for those who don't know, so yeah. Right. I know. And I agree so, with you. So that's why I, I'm half agreeing with you. Maybe maybe Iris does want someone to, to step in and say, look, we're with you, but we need to slow down. Oh, God. Guys, we missed the obvious parallel. Oh, shit. She's pulling a Victor Strand. <laughs> but by telling the perimeter, we're going to burn this mother down. She says this to Hope. She says they're all ready on the outside. They're ready for us to move. Let's let's get let's make this happen. Like she's implying that the perimeter is ready to. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't know that. No, but that's the <sighs> thing. Mother but, and, fucking Iris. And I think that's the thing. I think she almost wants it out of her hands. Like she doesn't want it to be her that starts this thing, even though it is for sure. Mm-hmm. I am not that stupid, and I'm really not stupid at all. But I'm just trying to. You know what it is? I don't like being tricked. I don't <laughs> like not seeing the, the the twist coming, even though I know. I know it'll happen. Something's going to happen. Uh, but I'm trying to like soften the blow. I'm trying to be like Kublik. I'm trying to control the chaos. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, if I, if we're, if the damage is going to be done, it's going to be done by me. Fuck you, Negretti. <laughs> I'm going to tell them what happens. And then you can do the things and I'll be a little wrong. Hmm? Okay. <laughs> but anyway, but I feel like she's trying to make it out of her hands. Like Victor Strand, I'm trying to make it out of my hands. If I kill Will, it'll be out of my hands. She's for sure not going to forgive me. If Iris starts the chaos and she's, you know, she lights the match and she throws it at the perimeter and puts the ball in their court, well, then they have no choice. And she's forced to, to, to have to fight, you know? Mm-hmm. That's why I said that I feel like there's a part of her that, and you see this in her face as she's talking to Percy, like, you don't think I'm crazy, blah, 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 blah. You, you, and, and like, you, you don't care what's written in the notes. Like, like it, it almost as if, should we? Should, don't, don't you want to stop me? And I think in some senses, if he would have said something and would have read it, it would have said, well, what does it say? He goes, well, we're going to burn the motherfucker down. But what did I just say in the last episode, Iris? I said in the last episode, I, if it means that you're not safe, that your father's not safe, that your sister's not safe, if your Felix is not safe, I'm not going to do it. You know, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe she's conning him in a sense. Maybe she's conning herself in a sense. Mm. I'm glad I brought this up because I feel like that's human nature. Sometimes the things that we think, the revenge that we're thinking up, it's bigger than us. And it totally is in the case of Iris. It totally is. The thing that that had bothered me the most up until now, up until that moment, was that she's just going in, like you said, cocksure, not thinking. But here I see her thinking a little bit about it. Like, uh, uh, mm, well, it's out of my hands. Now I have to fight. <laughs> well, she she thinks the perimeter's out there gearing up for war, but really Brody Rory's whispering in CRM's ears mm-hmm. and telling him what's going on. So yeah, it's all going to backfire case, yeah. anyway. I may be operating off out of the premise that like CRM's known a lot. She's They've known everything since Huck left. Or sorry, Huck left with Hope that one night already, I think. And they've been following and tracking their movements ever since. I, that's that's what I think. And so I think Brody's it would almost be smart. inconsequential. Mm-hmm. It's almost would, inconsequential. Would, well, but it'll it'll go to um brody will get some some points in his column with the crm for, for being honest mm-hmm. and for having right it up. Yeah. yeah yeah for for doing the right thing um I, I think that would be very smart to to just observe all of this behavior and just sit back and let it play out until it becomes a little dangerous but it becomes a problem do you think jadis knows that it was huck that took out the transformer yeah i'm starting to feel that I think Jadis wants to just know how far this goes. Yeah. But maybe, okay, wait a second. 
I said last week that I think it's very possible after this encounter, this lunch with, with her daughter, that Kublik might be on the side of the angels. If that's the case, and the PRJ, <laughs> the PR, the Project V is what that code stands for, essentially. I zoomed mm-hmm. in on it. I have a couple screen caps that are showing up on the screen now. Uh, <laughs> let's just pretend. <laughs> now, she was observing the project, and she may have the documents in her safe among her keepsakes from before. And I, I didn't quite drill down this on this as much last time, but all the stuff that's in the safe are of her life before. Uh, the pictures of Mr. Malik, who could have been in the military also, we just don't know. Her daughter, her ID, her passport, all these things from before that don't mean anything to her beyond something that's sentimental. But then there's also this document. Why is that document there? In a ocean of personal keepsakes, this document is there. That struck me. It makes me think that she's on the side of the angels. Now, wait, there's more. We go back to Jadis. And I had asked, is Jadis, I tried to ask, is she a malevolent force? Well, it could be that Jadis is on the same, either Jadis is kind of tagging her, tagging Kublik out and saying, you've got to, now you've got to face the music because you're, you've covered for Huck way too long. I'm taking over from here. Tag, you're in the back now. You wait, you wait until I tag you back in. And so, so she's taking over and she really wants to probably get at the truth of what happened with this research facility and what damage they did to Omaha. Or if it really did come from the top, maybe Jadis has aspirations to go beyond, way beyond, world beyond, uh, (laughs) past her current status as warrant officer. Maybe she wants, maybe she has aspirations to become the next president. Wouldn't that be something? Um, since that is an option that's being explored, the civilian government had getting control again, and possibly if not for the CRM halting it, that's possible. And if she's the one to expose a political nightmare that Beale orchestrated, AKA Rick Grimes, JK, then she could possibly be, I I don't even care about talking about that. That's just, that theory bothers me to the point of like, I mean, it, it makes sense, guys. Like, no, it doesn't. There's just so much. Anyway, so yeah, that could be, and it could be that she's really trying to get at the truth. She's really trying to get in who orchestrated this. And if it does come from the top and Elizabeth Kublik was the one who had to oversee it, well, then of course, Elizabeth's going to keep the documents necessary, the records necessary to indict the proper people. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking more about Jadis. I think she's the type of person who... I, I I think she's a good person. I'll say that. I can't really give any examples because all the examples are pretty, you know, positive proof that she's not so good. <laughs> but, but the one thing, uh, the one thing that but, you do know is Rick Grimes. Uh, oh, and that could be selfish, well, I'm sure. But whatever, well, but. I mean, that to me that was still a selfish move. But she did save his life. You know, I I I just I don't know what it is. I sometimes I just get a feeling about people and I and Jade I get a feeling from Jadis that I do truly believe she's a good person. I think she can make the best of any situation, but I think at the end of the day she does really try to do to do good. You know, even creating the society. She loved she she even told Huck she loved her people. She truly genuinely cared for these people and she did. We saw that. We saw her care for her people. So, all of this to say, I think if Jadis is there doing these investigations and she sees the CRM doing something shady, um, I think she's the type of person that would maybe stand up and try Fight. to right that wrong as well. Yeah. Right. Because in this instance, the, her people is the CR. She mm-hmm. is a warrant officer. She she is the person who routes out corruption in the military. You know, she, she is the military police. Any anybody that does wrong in the yeah. Pacific Republic military, she writes them a ticket. <laughs> yeah, pulls them aside. So I think she's a great person for that. Yeah, it's a great job for her. 
Right. And I think it's a great idea for the show to make it seem as though she's investigating Huck. Mm-hmm. When it, when she even says, if I was investigating you, you your ass would be on the wall, you know, naked and we'd be delousing you. No, she she's, <laughs> she made it seem like you'd already know. If I was, it was coming after you'd already know. And I, I don't think she's coming after any of these people. I think maybe she wants to route out some particulars. Like who the boy in the corduroy is, but what if it's Lila? What if she's there to investigate Lila? Maybe Poor Lila's Lila. up to something shady. I, okay, I don't know. Okay. She just seems she just now, seems like the last person that I would suspect. So that's who I threw out. <laughs> you're unsus- no, wait, you're unsuspecting. Uh, segue skills are magical because we should talk about that next. One of the big things that we'd said in the just even the reaction video. I would hate for this admission that Lila gives to Leo to be mm. either fake or lever. I said this actually in the discord. I'm sorry <laughs> with Mario that either it is fake and it seems like it isn't. She's pointing to the Boromian rings, the same ones that the CRM uses or the Alliance uses with her initials, the initial of her kid and the initial of her husband in the three rings representing, this is what I'm doing this for. I brought you here to my special place. But I would hate for it to be real and, and to be leveraged against Leo so that he cops on the court. And, and if, he, if she does, and this is why I feel bad for her either way, because if she does, the situation for her is that bad that she would have to do that. That she felt compelled to leverage her pain to convince Leo that she is a good person or somebody that's not going to manipulate him into doing something that the CR <laughs> wants or the CRM wants more particularly, like a longevity project. I think part of the reason that she was telling him that was when Iris brought up the experimenting on animals at the dinner. It kind of reminded her of what she had to do with her husband and daughter. And she just was upset and maybe she saw it as a way to ingratiate herself more with Leo. But it was, I mean, it brought those feelings out and she just wanted to. Genuine feelings. Get them out. Yeah, genuine feelings. And I believe that that came from Iris. So you fell for my second trap. I did believe that was another thing that Iris did that was unintentionally positive. Yeah, I did. I did um, believe what Lila was saying. Yeah. And now we know why she has the tattoo on her hand. It's not the CR at all. So then was like Lila, like a founding member of the CR also? Because I mean, they're co-opting this Boromian rings and sounds like she came in early on. Otherwise, I mean, it sounds like she went from experimenting on her family to experimenting on other people. Families. (laughs) Other families. Like like Dr. Professor Samuel Abbott, whom we got to see at the the beginning of this episode. Alive. (laughs) Yeah. Which we're, I know we're, let's not go past too far because, so let's, but let's talk about this a little bit more. Like at the end of the day, what, what are you feeling here? What, where does Lila stand in your book? Like, cause I feel like Leo is like really like connecting with Lila on a whole other level that maybe she does know exactly what's wrong. Maybe I, I feel like maybe she will, I'm stupid, but maybe she will help Leo it, much in the way Huck helps Felix. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm with you. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's too late already. I'm with you no matter what. I don't think she will help. I think she is still 100%. I, I am invested in finding the cure. Okay. I don't think that's going to yeah. change. I still kind of have the same opinion about her. I do. Th- Again, I think she's in it for the right reasons, but I think she either doesn't know about what has to be like the the bad side of it barker was dead right that wasn't a live test subject he, correct he was alive was he alive i couldn't tell because yeah. he, 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 he was at like a alive. weird angle he was okay All so, right, well, for, that wait, sucks. Never so mind. just so everybody else knows we in the unedited episode we went through the patient chart 
and we determined he had excellent lung function, BP, temperature. Mm-hmm. If he was a dead one, he'd have a much lower body temp than normal. Well, I didn't know if that was like at yeah. last exam. That could oh. have been his last physical. He not... seemed to be moving around, I guess. He was coming out of yeah, sedation. Yeah, walkers move too. It was hard to tell. I'm, I, I'm just okay. saying it was okay. – I, cu- I couldn't tell. But if you're that's, saying he was alive, enough. then – Well, I was going to say you know, it's easier for Lila to, op- to experiment on walkers than it would be a human. But if Barker was alive, then there goes that theory. So I don't know. Well, he, he didn't have one of those muzzles too that Samuel Abbott did. So I, I assume – Oh, that's, that's true. That's another that's thing. That's true. I also when they so were, kind when of like they in were the raising the when they were raising the table for like a quick second, I totally thought he was Percy. Oh, it's his twin brother. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Mercy Mercy. Wouldn't that Mercy and Percy. <laughs> <laughs> so I Percy will, Barker. Percival will, and Mercival. <laughs> well, apparently uh Barca's first name is C. This is a C name, so it's Cursival. <laughs> Percival, Percival, Barca. Oh man, Delmar. Yeah, Lila's still a little bit of a question mark. I think she does have genuine feelings for Leo. I think that's real. I think maybe it started out as a oh, as man. a ploy, but I think she's developed real feelings for him. But I also think she truly believes in what she's doing for the mm-hmm. good of the world. So that's it's going to be tough. I don't know which way she's going to go. Yeah, but it's, it's going to be a tough decision for her. I don't know that she'll tell on them or anything, but I don't think she's going to go with them. And I mean, I really think that if it comes down to having to choose, she'll choose the CR. And I, and I know, I know it doesn't matter when I say this, but you, do you feel like it will be hard for her? Like, like it'll, she'll do it, but it'll be very difficult for her. Do what? Which way? Which direction? To, to, you know, rat Leo out, let's say. Yeah, it would be hard. Cause I I think she does. I'm not asking. Like him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I know you think that because you're <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I was. I'm just curious about sharing because like I, I, I I'm because I'm getting the sense that we all have a different type idea type, and I, I don't even believe the words that I'm saying when I say like I want. I, I'm saying basically saying I want her to be on the, on Leo's. I want her, but I know it's not going to happen. So I need Sharon to say. <laughs> I think it would be hard, but I don't think she would even think twice about it like she would feel mm. bad after she did it and it would hurt her to do it but i don't think she would hesitate to save the science right right because ultimately yeah. it, be like, i mean if, they, if iris wants to burn the fucking place down lila is <laughs> not gonna go for that like no. no you're gonna destroy everything we've been working for and everything i've dedicated what's left of my life to i'm not no she's not gonna go for that although <gasps> maybe lila will kill iris uh, although oh. although i think we've all felt the feeling of like how freeing it might be for somebody to take that away from you. Like, yes, it, it would be difficult and horrible. And yes, she would kill Iris. But at the end of the day, she, she could be almost thankful that she took this. The thing that chipped away of what was left of her soul, which she kind of says to Iris in that conversation, it's about how mm. much you can stuff down, how much of your soul you can chip away to get, you know, to, to accomplish the goal. You know, that's where the line has to be. Like how much to, 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 to contribute to the greater good. And it's just, what is the balance? What is it? And then Iris saying that that's a choice, again, isn't wrong. It is a choice. It's not as if it's made for you. I feel like when, when I was watching this the first time with you guys, or yeah, with you guys, I, I, I really thought about, and I feel like this was intentional, that this, this is what like Nazi Germany must have been like. like. Like we're doing this for the greater good. Well, how much bad do we have to do for the greater good here, uh, guys? And so we're really dealing with these, I wouldn't do this questions. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. Of course you would. 
Because you, like Jada says, you invent a religion, an ideology that binds and blinds you. It will blind you to the evils. Mm -hmm. And so, as much as we don't like to admit that Iris is right, Iris is objectively right in this one moment. And it's enough to get Lila at least to knock, knock her off her, her orbit enough to get Leo and her own little Baromian ring, her own little circle, enough to admit why she's doing this and why she sold this much of her soul. Oh, well, she hasn't gotten to that part yet, I don't think, but oh. it feels like that that's coming. Like that's th th this, all this was about, you know, oh, I didn't tell you the bad part yet. Let me tell you why I'm doing all this and then I'll tell you what I've done. Because then, and maybe Leo will be the one to complete that circle. It's like, hey, I know about this project. What is your, ex what is the extent to which you are involved in this project? Because Felix is going to bring that damn sample over. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Lala got some splaining to do. Mm -hmm. I was glad that Leo had that flashback that he did when Lila dropped the bag of clothes and he realized that she had those papers because he was about to spill all the beans. Mm -hmm. And I love the, the little blood in his ears, heartbeat pressure, blood pressure thing that was going on. Well, yeah. Movie. I mean. That's such a great effect. Because you know what I that was, I know but it that wasn't... feeling. I yeah. know mm -hmm. that feeling. I, I, I could put myself right in Leo's position right then. And I'm like, oh, dude, breathe, breathe. Take a breath. Mm -hmm. Take a breath. Don't forget to breathe. Yeah. It was, ugh. Or yeah, not even that when you're everything's so coming at you. Yeah, when all that info is coming at you, and all of a sudden your mm -hmm. heart starts racing to the point mm -hmm. where the blood in your ears makes you deaf. I yeah. get that. I could feel the heat as he as he flushed. You know, just like, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I was I was just saying that Iris could be her next text test subject. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. oh, I'm not even getting maybe into teenagers that. are uh. different. <laughs> they need all ages to test on. So. <laughs> Where's where, where's Dakota when you need her? Yeah. Crispy. Mm -hmm. I think what really fucked me up a little bit about... Like, I, I could be totally on board with the idea that Lila... No, and I could probably still be uh, about her being on the side of the angels somewhat. But then, like, the fucking... Both times where she dropped the papers in the beginning in the flashback and then also the clothes in the current times and Leo freaking out. Like, it was like, oops! It's <laughs> dropped my papers! It's dropped my clothing. <laughs> Guys, I'm so clumsy. She, like, I, by the way, Natalie Gold even says when she's spilling the clothes, and I, I noted this in my notes, I like, she says, oi. Like yeah. Little, little Judaism in there. It's like little Jewish, I little Yiddish. <laughs> I thought that it was in the captions, too. She's mm -hmm. like, oi, dash. <laughs> <laughs> cute so that and i it's in the reaction video too i don't know if we, we're gonna release that but i was just like i was a little annoyed by that right from the jump and so i mean i could still be on board because obviously she's selling her soul to get closer to leo to get more answers and okay fine fine just how far it goes is is, is, is beyond me and I, I need you guys sometimes to say the thing that i'm actually thinking because I'm feeling something that's, and yeah, I have, I know it's weird. I have feelings sometimes and they cloud my judgment about what really I'm thinking or in the back of my mind, like worried about saying like, oh, Lila may still be, she may have sold too much. She may have parceled off too much of her soul for the CR in order to come back from this. Not like Huck, who may have even just bought into another life, like the found family concept too. That's what I was kind of trying to say before without saying it. Huck, as Huck, as her name is being Huck, that's her found family name. Not like mm -hmm. Jadis. Jadis, when she was real with Gabe, she adopted her old name, Anne. Yeah. So... She reverted to who she was. Uh, for the sake of like, getting closer. 
Well, she, she was opening up like, this is who I really am, and this is my real name, and so you get to know the real me, not this character I've created. Yeah, and yeah, like she, she feels like she needs to be this way in the CR in order to survive again and Maybe be ambitious again. Maybe that's why she, um, she chose Jadis Stokes because she gets to be both personalities. She gets to be Jadis and she gets to be Anne. Do you think for a second that maybe she chose the name Stokes to remember that she was loved? Like for real love? Because I, I, my first instinct maybe. was that. I, I felt it was a little mm. twisted, but I also felt like there is something sweet about it. Like I know it's, look, this is Walking Dead. <laughs> sweet is very relative. But <laughs> there was something about like, this is, this is what was real. Jadis was what was fake. Stokes was what was real. And somewhere in the middle, that's where she's living right now. A reminder yeah. of what she used to be. Yeah, a reminder of the fake she used to mm. be. And then, and then what she wants to be in this world. I want to believe that as shady as she sounds in this episode, as Pollyanna McIntosh sounds in this episode, much like Victor in the other one, <laughs> a lot. I mean, it's, it's really shady, <laughs> but not like overtly, hey, I'm a bad guy. Arr, see? And so, no, not like that. <laughs> But she's like very like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm going to throw you in jail. Stop calling me a bitch. Anyway, so <laughs> but she might be on the side of the angels. I, I think this is a smokescreen. I think it's pretty obvious that it's a smokescreen, if it is a smokescreen. It's like, oh, you're trying to make it seem like she's going to throw Huck in jail, but she's not. She's going she's gonna to let her do her thing and then get her back just like her mom did. Would you consider codes their own language? Sure. So in a way, the CRM has created their own language for their people too. By way of the PR, the Project V codes, or the what? well, just codes in general. I mean, they have code books, the the, uh, PR, the Project V papers. I mean, everything, everything they do is in code. Well, they have, they have more than just that, but I guess they have that too. <laughs> but they have like the whole ideology. We have the light of the world. Hey, oh, if you get to reach, I get to reach. <laughs> here are your rations. <laughs> Can you imagine if they read their prayers, their prayers in code? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. And let's turn to page 39 where you we think will they read pray? The, we'll, we'll read the code book. Okay. Zero three one two five five eight six Q J. Amen. What? Well, <laughs> anyway, it's a language they one. use that they that they created. Yeah, that they don't pray with. Well, maybe I don't know. There but it would, a... wouldn't it, wouldn't it be defeat the purpose if everybody knew it though? <laughs> well, maybe the military the has their own language. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this. I don't think the CR has knows yeah. the codes. Good point. Good point. Good point. I, I can dig that. There was another little parallel with Hope and Iris when Iris was telling Hope about killing the soldier. It was a parallel, or even kind of a mirror of Hope telling Iris about killing Elton's mother. Yeah, yeah, I noticed but that too. Hope was very upset and sad when she was telling Iris about killing mm -hmm. Elton's mother. Whereas Iris was not very upset or sad. Or remorseful, yeah. A little yin-yang parallel. Oh, now we're getting to something else. Because much in the way... Ooh, I didn't think of this before. Much in the way that maybe, probably not, she might have been trying to get Percy to tell it to stop her. What if by admitting this to Hope, it could be a way of her trying to embolden herself? That's true. Like, meaning, if I say this out loud, it's in the, it's out in the open, and now I feel empowered. Could be that. Could it not also be a way to get Hope to react to this? To say, I'm sorry you felt like you had to do that. Even though Iris will say in the end, no, I, I wanted to kill him, and maybe more. Please, give me more soldiers to kill. Could it be possible that she says this as a way of saying, I need somebody to judge me on this. I need somebody to tell me that what I did, you know, it must, must have been awful. 
but also I think you're giving hope. I think you're giving Iris a lot of credit. No, I'll, I'm just I'll curious. Let you, I'll let you go with that. But I honestly, this is a fishing expedition. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just like you know trying to see if there's anything there. Uh, I maybe, but I don't see it. I I have blinders on when it comes to Iris. I think she's just yeah. so she's been annoying me so much lately. I can't I can't see any good. If it's there, I can't see it. Yeah. No, and I feel the same way. Oh, um, I wanted to ask, um, right at the beginning when they're drilling Huck and before she leaves, she turns around and says, "If whatever escape plan you have, it's not going to work. Do you think she knows that they found Silas? I don't think so, actually. I mean, she probably just figures they're planning something, but I like I got the impression like she maybe knew a little bit more than just assuming they would try to escape. Did they bring her in on the whole escaping thing? No, right? No way. No way. Mm. That's why I didn't know if maybe she caught wind that Silas was picked up at the back door or whatever. I think if they if she did, I think she would convince them to like, oh, oh, oh they know something. Mm-hmm. Something is, and then she would get them to stop whatever it is they're doing, whatever it is, whatever it may be. Because if that was well, the case, then she would not have done what she did for Felix. She's like, they're yeah. looking at us now. We need to not do this. Yeah, but when she's dealing with that whole big group of people, I mean, I feel, well, especially Percy and Iris, and maybe a little bit Felix in that moment anyway, they don't trust her anymore. So if she were to try and convince them, oh, hey, they got Silas, would they even believe her? Ooh, I, th- I think so. And I'll tell you why. Because if she were to bring this to them, it may get them to hesitate about whatever it is they're trying to plan. Because it would be one thing if they thought Silas was going to just, after two o'clock, leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it'd be a whole other thing now that he's been caught. Like, okay, now we know we can't leave. Now we know everything that we've been trying to plan is for yeah. now. And her coming to them with this information would be like, hey, I care about you guys. You need to know this because whatever you think you're trying to do right now, you need to stop. You're being looked at and your friend is caught and you will get him hurt. Iris, I'm looking at you. Yeah, no <laughs> like, kidding. Well, even I suppose, though she doesn't know Huck, anything. <laughs> yeah, and if Huck brings up, if Huck mentions Silas by name, I mean, she doesn't know that he was planning to come there either. So if she's like, hey, they got him, they, it, I mean, they would almost have to believe her because how would she know Silas was up there at all to be mm-hmm. captured? So just like before, this is why this, this is, is why I have to talk it out. <laughs> this, and this is this is the very same thing that the reason why Felix starts to look at Huck, tries to chip away at her because because she had admitted to Felix, hey, Will, we found Will's body. And you know, this is this is the very thing that got me to think of that. So her, again, admitting, guys, I f- we found Silas. It looks like he was at the loading dock. He might have been at the... But she knows anyway that she sent him to the calling and maintenance facility anyway. But for some reason, he's here. So maybe she put two and two together. But that's the thing. I don't think if she had known, I think she would have put a stop to whatever they were doing. And especially not go with Felix yeah. into Lila's lab. Like, and come up with these hijinks for, for Leo just to, to, to get the information they need. No, this shit's too hot. We need to not do any of this. So unfortunately, Jadis is keeping that under wraps. Or, meantime, we're looking at Jadis. And we're looking at Huck, but we're not looking at Corporal Pierce. Corporal Pierce happens to be in the beginning. Mm -hmm. My feeling is that just like Huck with Campus Colony in Omaha, Corporal Pierce is General Beale's right-hand man, woman, Mm. person. Don't you think? Her her being the common thread in this whole thing. Now, we had said earlier that this this was Kublik's right-hand man uh, in Huck's absence. Mm-hmm. Staff Sergeant Huck. Huck. Staff Sergeant <laughs> Malik's absence. Well, that'd be kind of cool, actually. Um, Staff Sergeant Huck. <laughs> yeah, we just merge those two personalities. Uh, no. Uh, so 
But what if, honestly, Corporal Pierce is running the show? Again, I, I'm just going to throw this out there, but like Pierce seems to be also like a Marx woman, like the same as Huck. There's a little bit of yeah. clear parallels between the two in terms of dark mirror images. And I think what we were in 206, wasn't that the same episode where, uh, uh, was it Shadow Puppets? No, it was one right after Truth or Dare. Wasn't that the same episode where we saw uh, Huck display her uh, dart ability while she was blindfolded? Mm-hmm. So we see this little parallel here with Corporal Pierce in the beginning also. They go there with their marksmanship. Was she blindfolded? No, but it was pretty so far Huck's away. better. <laughs> <laughs> but I say all this to kind of illustrate the fact that maybe she is uh, Beale's Huck, let's mm-hmm. say. Uh, and she's really I, more I, I like important than, than we know. Mm-hmm. I like that, especially considering they stressed um, Huck being a mole. And she kept, she has, she said it several times, it was a, a, an observe and report mission. So yeah. mm-hmm. Pierce could be doing the same thing, observe and report. Yeah, which is why Kublik was recalled, which is why Jadis is stepping in. Not on behalf of Beale, but I think Jadis is trying to figure out something's going on here. And maybe she's going to, you're going to see this and I'll be totally right. And it's going to, everybody's heads are going to be like, what? But you're going to hear this from my mouth and be like, no, Dave said it. (laughs) Yep. Corporal, uh, Jadis is going to do like a 180 and shoot Corporal Pierce in the head. Like, ah, she was (laughs) one of Beale's moles. Well, yeah, Pierce could have told Beale um, that Elizabeth's been covering up for Huck again. Like, she's covering her mistakes. And wouldn't it be be another parallel, another dark mirror image, if after having saved Leo finally, or whatever, at least reached him in New York, that everybody now has to save Kublik? (laughs) Wouldn't that be something? Everybody has to go to the CR. (laughs) Oh, God, in Portland, Texas. Season three. Guys, she's guys, in portland texas do you think they might do a season three because th- they said no they i thought could. they already i thought there was confirmed like confirmed no right well i guess they did put a close on this but like i mean even gipple said like well, you never know if this is if this takes off could they'll call three. it something different the you know, world beyonder yeah more beyond <laughs> <laughs> farther beyond the outer <laughs> perimeters the walking That's dead world, world beyond this <laughs> no no it's, it's world beyondest guys come on beyondest think the beyond, most beyond think beyonder than me <laughs> to, to the beyondest and beyond <laughs> est <laughs> Was anybody else kind of underwhelmed by Huck's revelation about what happened with Agent Dennis? I mean, like, oh, he just messed up and I had to come. Oh, yeah. like, I was expecting something much more dramatic than that. Like, I was like, really? Well, we, we yeah. make it, so we did see, I, I don't remember exactly what I saw in the preview in the next episode, but we do see him again in the next one, uh, Agent Dennis. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what capacity, but maybe he'll tell the tale slightly differently. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'm wondering more if there's more to I I was wondering if there was more to it. Well, and what if the very thing that the operation that Dennis uh, took part in is the impetus for all of this, all of whatever's and it was two years ago. So what is two years in the span of the six year time jump? Oh, that's when they had the charter. I don't know. But oh, maybe that could be the intersection of Walking Dead World Beyond and Fear the Walking Dead. Maybe. Maybe what whatever operation that he's on has something to do with Texas. Maybe I, he was in I Texas. Know. I'm I'm reaching. I know. I know. I'm reaching. I'm sorry. They went That's to Texas we and they uh they didn't stop the nuclear bombs from going off. Mm. Or and some people got hurt. Like, well, 
Yeah, and he was responsible. Like, Whatever op he was responsible for it uh -huh. involved alcohol and him making a bad and or a tough that, decision. That's who the that's who the stalkers are. And the rest his, of them became stalkers. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? If, if I were him, I'd be drive to drink after that too. Yeah, that shit's. Well, no, up. he was drinking on the job. That's why she covered mm -hmm. for him. Yeah, on, on yeah. the job, off the job, <laughs> before, after, after the during, job. whatever. He yeah. was having a drink with preparing senior. for the job. <laughs> He'd been drinking with senior the night before. Oh That's God. where senior's booze went. Agent Dead is drinking <laughs> oh, all. Teddy, Teddy's booze. Ooh, <laughs> gross. Uh, that, uh, makes me, that makes me think of Lost. When, uh, um, if only Jack, he found Strand. Could we have all the Jack whiskey? Ha, I mean, um, Sawyer had drinks with Jack's dad the night before. Yeah. Oh, and man. then like, he, he figured it out later. God, I love that. was the best part of season one. That's what happened. He was out having drinks with Senior. So I just want to let everybody know that I am not going to bother with putting all the Project V stuff on the screen and talk about it. It's all data points. I will mention it here so that I can put it in the blog. But the vial that Felix does pull out, what do you think that is? Is it a biological weapon? Well, because we have to, we've had time to think since the last episode with all our theories. Uh, <laughs> it's, it seems very clear. You guys are on soup still, aren't you? <laughs> Virginia is is on the boys, so right of all the letters of the alphabet, they chose V. Right, like come on, come on. <laughs> who who? What do you think it stands v? for? I'll wait. <laughs> Honestly, Vought? That would be a really cool crossover, though. Really, if you think about it. I mean, Homelander oh. could take care of all these walkers real quick. Let's be honest. Phew. Yeah, it's like straight across the neck. V, I, the, my first thought was just stupid and simple. V for virus. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing too. Yeah. But there was one detail that I actually caught. It wasn't the main green vial. I also called it the secret of the ooze. <laughs> <laughs> the mutagen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> v is for Virginia, which is where Rick came from. Ooh. Maybe it's well, Rick's they, blood. They, technically, it's like a, oh, it's like a, yeah. it's like a, it's like a compound they made from Rick's blood. You mean BCH 5.2? Who cares? <laughs> no, there was one thing, one data point from the Project V paper that Lila drops in Leo's flashback. It says ACC dot, so account, I don't know, or yeah, maybe account, date 040202, which got me to think, holy shit, uh, this takes what we said about Althea's theory about this, the military and the National Guard facing off and saying, well, was this always going to happen based on things that were happening behind the scenes because if this is from 2002 we've got a big problem we may get we may not but we may get eventually in some form we may have just received some sort of breadcrumbs that says the wheels that were set in motion for the walking dead to to occur have been have been have started let's just say eight years or six to eight years before the apocalypse, zombie apocalypse started. Because if we say 2008, it's 2002, you do the math. And yeah, so you get what I'm saying. It's either, and you know what it says? It says from, it, it either looks like an NY or an NV, as in Nevada. So maybe aliens, you know, maybe alien well, spores in 2002. So I wonder, I wonder who those things belong to at that date, because we had said that the CRM was birthed from the apocalypse, that they didn't exist before before the right. apocalypse we, we had said it was it was so who uh, did they take all this from right maybe this is all set in motion by a shadow government of some kind or something or other or like key yeah. individuals that set certain things in motion that prepared for this moment and why does it not make sense 
why does it make sense? No, but it makes sense because if they had been trying, why wouldn't you create the, the means by which you could be the light of the world? We even mentioned that, that sometimes countries create tragedies to unite people. Why not create the virus or let loose something that they don't even completely understand in order mm. to create the conditions by which they could be the light of the world to shape humanity. <laughs> you, you mean like Strand mm -hmm. being the bad guy so everybody had somebody to rally around? Or what you gonna do, Pope? Like trying to be God's light of the world and all that stuff. <laughs> like, so why not? Why, why wouldn't they have been doing this for a very long time? Interesting, huh? I can't deny that date. I keep looking at that date trying to see it's a typo. Oh, they mean 20, right? They don't mean zero two. No, it's a zero two. So every which way I read it, is it 04? No, it's not 2004. Maybe, but it's just, it's just 04, 02, 02. So it's still April, by the way, April. So whatever. Anyway, stuff to think about, right? All this stuff's going to be in the blog for you to see. I took two different screenshots of that too, just to see if I wasn't crazy. I will note one thing, that doctor that is that has a little D-pad, the little joystick for the B, the beef BO4. First of all, that was if you really do take a screenshot of what what he, what they're looking at with the topographical map, you can see little icons on the left about like that looks kind of like Google Maps where you can pinch to zoom and then zoom out and whatever. But then you see him press the term button, which could mean one of two things, terminate or term as in terminal. But I honestly think he terminated the unit that was on the mm -hmm. walker. And the walker's, the walker's designation was P1107. That seems shady to me also. Like, so what are they doing? Are they shielding some of this stuff from Leo? Ultimately, I mean, she has the papers in her hand, the Project V's papers. I feel like they're not cluing Leo in for some reason all the way. And maybe the doctor doesn't want him to get his hands on this data too. I don't well, know. So, if that's so far, Lila's the only person we've seen in that underground lab. And maybe that's because they assume she she'd be willing to do those things on strangers since she did it to her own family. And mm -hmm. Abbott too. And, and yeah. whatever this other doctors whom we haven't seen yet, but well, I mean, if you can do that to your own family, doing it to anybody else wouldn't mm -hmm. I don't think she'd have any problem. Iris, eventually. <laughs> I, you mean... Uh, She'll you enjoy spelled, that, though. You, sp you spelled hopefully <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Quick stupid thing to make somebody feel stupid is that, oh, na w the clothing drop that, uh, that Natalie Gold slash Lila Belshaw had to bring to Leo for Felix and the rest of them. Oh, it had Rick's murder jacket. Did you see this nonsense? Because mm -mm. it was it was a sweater that had a sh that like that Sherpa lining, you know, like the Sherpa lining. Oh, it looked like Rick's murder jacket. Oh, look at this Rick's murder jacket. Hey, guess what, idiot? Uh, did Rick have his murder jacket on when he uh, disappeared from the show? Oh no! <laughs> Thank you. Michonne donated his clothes to the Goodwill, yeah. <laughs> but not his boots. Aww, aww. <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. Show me Rick when he shows up. I don't have too much show. I don't need emotions. Who needs them? Ew. Listen, we got some weak links to find. And hey, if you want some other weak links, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Five stars and eggplants is all we need to know that you love us. But if you want to write more, feel free. But let us know after every episode. Tell us what we got right. Tell us what we got wrong. Just tell us. Tell the world. That's the whole point, isn't it? Tell the world that we're worth listening to. And if you really, really like us and you want to invest in what we're trying to do, make it better with not only your money, 
but your words, because we want you to be a part of this. Head over to ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead and just follow us. Because when you do, you'll know when we drop our recording session links and our unedited episode recordings, which you can both attend and also stream. When you do that, you are telling us with your actions that we're worth listening to and that we should keep going and that you want to be a part of this in some fashion, whether loose or tight or not at all, or just you want to give us money and tell us to shut, just keep doing what you're doing. I don't want to hear about it. But you you care enough to go that far. So I thank you. Now, when you follow us and you decide you want to jump in on an episode or download an unedited episode recording or a cool ringtone or something cool that we do, you can tip us and buy us a coffee and get access for 30 days to our supportive back content. Or you can join one of our membership tiers for just a dollar a month and just let the party keep on going and get all these benefits as part of that. And you'll be part of the fam. You'll know exactly how much you want to get involved in. I highly recommend it. You can get involved in all these different cool conversations and join us in these chats like Mario did and probably fell asleep at this point. Do that. Love us very much. And hey, we'll see you in the next one, which is 07. Oh, see, now he's coming back. <laughs> I was taking a look at something for like an hour or two. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he has to go to his work. He has to go to job. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. How, how do you even live like, how do you live with yourself? How do, how do I live with myself? We're I was going to say, you, you should know, Dave. You never I, sleep either. Yeah, well, that's true. It's your Mario and me. We're exactly like, I'll be in this box when you come back, folks. I'll be in this little box waiting for you. Thank you so much for being here. Right Thank you for lives. listening. Yeah, exactly. And I'll see you here later. I'll be here right for you later. And these ladies will join me, hopefully. Please come back. I don't want to be here alone. Nobody <laughs> wants me to be here alone. <laughs> And we'll see you in the next one, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode discussing the sixth episode of season two of The Walking Dead World Beyond, a limited series. Uh, I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Cosmo 9 Rachel Burt, and Sharon D, a.k.a. Blazy Gardner. And this episode would not be possible if without our Survivor tier members, Survivors tier members. That would be Elisa Jones 71 on Instagram, Whispers UK on Instagram, and jasmine.iac on Instagram. Uh, Survivor tier members get to host along with us when we do our episode breakdowns. Uh, it just so happens that two out of the three of those people are in the UK and our hours aren't very flexible, even though it's been great having Jasmine on for most of our Walking to the World Beyond coverage. She has been a delight. And I love hearing her uh, give us some of the science and, you know, sometimes poking fun. And I checked with her and she says she's okay. She doesn't mind me poking too much fun with her. Um, but this episode has also been brought to you by our generous Whisperers tier members. Who, uh, who are, well, you know, at Aiden Atkin, Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram. Uh, it would be fan art underscore Lindy on Instagram. Uh, as well as at Tyler Phillip Cox on Instagram and Twitter, none other than Let's Taco About the Dead on YouTube, uh, as well as excellent photographer Judith Dot Morton on Instagram. Uh, 
We hope you've enjoyed this coverage that you've rated us on ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead after every episode because it lets people know that we're worth listening to. It really makes a difference. In a world where the attention economy is saturated, it lets others know that we're the best Walking Dead Universe podcasts on the internet and they need to know. They're missing out. Why don't they know? If not for you, who's going to tell them? Um, but also... If you don't mind, I know you're a podcast listener, but please head over to youtube.com slash squawkingdead and just subscribe. You, you don't have to enable notifications, but we'd appreciate it. Uh, we do just, we need the subscriptions. It makes a difference uh, and it helps us give you more content. It helps enable us to do more for you. We want to be more than just a podcast. We want to do so much more. We want to be a network of people just like you, a family just like you. And hey, if you are interested in participating in this podcast in any which way possible, uh, why don't you just email us at info at squawkingdead.com. Let us know that you're out there. Let us know that you're listening. I've, I've been Dave, your hostess with the mostest. <laughs> hostess? Eh, well, whatever. I'm in this box. Um, well, we'll see you in the next one. Can't wait to hear more from you. Thanks for being here. <laughs>